This is a Culture Inject production. Welcome to Part of Us, an Invoke fan cast, a podcast dedicated to the discussion of one of the most iconic musical groups, Invoke. If you'd like to follow us online, visit us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Invoke Craze. Stream our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, YouTube, and anywhere else that you might stream podcasts. If you have ideas, interview requests, comments, questions, email them to us at invocraze at gmail.com. And don't forget to please rate and review our podcast. It helps us move up the charts and get seen by more eyeballs. So let's get this thing started. Yes, so I'm excited. Uh, but before we get to it, I feel like anyone who's listening or watching will want to know who we are. Um, so we're just going to introduce ourselves. Um, and I'll go first. Uh, my name is Champ Johnson. I'm from Los Angeles, California. Um, my previous podcasting experience um, was me doing a podcast called Kickback Culture with some friends of mine where we talked about pop culture in its entirety. And I also do another podcast called The Power Play Podcast where we talk about everything geeky, uh, comics, movies, TV shows, and everything in between. My history with Invoke Craze is seeing them on YouTube. Uh, Matthew, he started a, a YouTube channel and I was just like, I love a channel that just shows everything that is like Invoke greatness. <laughs> so I was like, let me subscribe. And that went from Instagram and just kind of being uh, immersed into anything that has to do with Invoke. So I love talking about Invoke with anybody who would listen to me. So yeah, that's my history with Invoke. Um, and Josh, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. There? Yeah. So I'm Joshua Jenkins. I am in DC by way of North Carolina, um, rural North Carolina. I'm a country boy. Um, and so I, uh, have had a podcast called Art Accordingly for a couple of years, which was a program of a organization that I was helping to lead. Um, and that podcast was a monthly podcast that basically, uh, interrogated issues of equity in the arts. It's kind of nerdy sounding. <laughs> um, but it basically interviewed really cool people doing cool stuff in the arts and, um, highlighted the good work that was happening. So it's cool to be able to jump in and do another podcast this time about something that I love deeply in vogue. Um, and so I have. I guess I'm new to Invoke Craze as an entity. Like I've uh, only in the last couple of years between Instagram and Facebook really jumped into the Invoke Craze like group uh, as a, as a, as a thing. Um, but I've been loving Invoke since, you know, forever. I'm not going to age myself. I'm not that old, but, um, but I've loved them for a long time. So I'm excited to, to be here with y'all. JP, take it. <laughs> yeah, I'm JP. I'm from Virginia or, you know, almost the DMV area. Um, I've been a fan of Invoke since I can remember. Like, I remember being like eight or nine and getting the remix to sing cassette tape for Christmas. And I was disappointed because I didn't want the remix album. I wanted uh, the Funky Divas. But my mom, she did the best she could. She knew I loved In Vogue. So she found the remix to sing cassette. And um, so that was like my first uh, piece of In Vogue um, history. 
And through the years, like I remember being in the fourth grade and writing a letter to the Invogue fan club asking for an autographed picture. And they sent it to me. It was like it was an autographed picture and it had like their signatures, but it wasn't like it was like already printed signatures or whatever. And I remember bringing it to school in the fourth grade and a picture frame. (laughs) (laughs) And then somehow I broke the glass in the picture frame and the picture got scratched up. And I wish to God I still had that picture. I don't know where it is, what happened to it at this point. But yeah, I've been a long time in Vogue fan. And um, I remember in Vogue craze from the days of the Yahoo groups. Um, back in the day, uh, I was in college and there was a Yahoo group for called Invoke Craze. And this was around the time that Invoke released Soul Flower or they were gearing up to release Soul Flower. And, um, that was a very interesting time in, in the Invoke fandom for sure. Um, but yeah, I've, I've loved these ladies for a long time and I'm excited to talk about it and to, you know, be a little controversial and a little messy and have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, <laughs> all of that at at once, but I think it should be a good a a good time. Uh, Mr. Matan, take it away. Okay, thank you, gentlemen. Um, I've been an Invoke fan since 1990. I'm from Los Angeles, California, born and raised. I don't have any previous podcast experience, but I have been with the craze. I would say probably since 2000. I remember, um. Masterpiece Theater being promoted on the Invoke Craze. And I also remember when there was a split between the Invoke Craze and the Invoke Street team. Yes. And there was like these different, <laughs> right. There were all these different the factions drama. of fans. Right, right. Drama for sure. The EV Street team. That is, wow. Okay. And I'm actually one of the original trolls from, you know, those days. I definitely did a lot of trolling on both the Invoke Street team and uh, the Invoke Craze. So I'm very familiar with Matt and Jimmy and Char and all of those people. Um, my Probably my favorite memory of being in the Yahoo groups was when Soulflower came out in 2004. The Los Angeles fans, I remember it was Marquista and Carl, Sean, and myself. We passed out flyers for two days. I think once at Universal Studios and then the other at the actual All-Star Game at Staples. So that's my standout memory. Wow. So, uh, Matan, do you remember someone from back then um, that was supposed to be working with Invogue called Mr. C? I remember, yes. I remember that, that that was like the publicist or something. Yes. And, uh, some, I don't even remember how it happened. I don't remember how we got the flyers or maybe I got them when I was there, but someone had to pick them up because we did pass out like these uh, flyers, um, laminated flyers in like this parking lot at Universal Studios. So he had to have been real, <laughs> I hope. Yeah, I just remember, <laughs> I, all I remember back then is like, I have a, a very like, vivid memory of someone named Mr. C and he was supposed to be with, you know, in Vogue and whatever their label distribution situation was at the time. And everyone was just like, Oh, Mr. C said, or it was just, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I remember. Yes. Now we're segueing into the brief history of in Vogue in Vogue is the brainchild of producer songwriters, Thomas McElroy and Denzel Foster. The duo held auditions in 1988 for a female group. We wanted the girls to be beautiful, but not too beautiful. McElroy told Meredith Berkman of Entertainment Weekly, intelligent, but not nerds or anything. And more than anything else, when they sang, we wanted people to go, wow. 
The other criterion for the group was an element of high style. We tried to make Invoke very womanish with a very sophisticated flair. Choreographer Frank Gatson told the New York Times, but we didn't want to make them slutty. The singers who earned a spot in the group were San Franciscan and Miss Black California Cindy Heron, Transplanted Californian Maxine Jones, originally from Patterson, New Jersey, Terry Ellis from Houston, Texas, and Connecticut native Don Robinson. Interestingly enough, some of the singers' paths had crossed before becoming members of En Vogue. Heron met Jones during a San Francisco stage production and met Ellis at a Houston audition, while Jones and Robinson became acquainted at their hairdressers where they sung an impromptu rendition of Don't Ask My Neighbor, which is one of my favorite songs from The Emotion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, after releasing two albums with the group, Don Robinson departed in Vogue, and Vogue went on to promote its third album, EV3, uh, which included vocals that Robinson had contributed to the album before leaving. Her vocals are all over that record. <laughs> all over. All over it. Yes, it is. <laughs> after recording Masterpiece Theater, arguably the group's most creative and underrated album, Truth. Jones departed to devote time to her family and was replaced in 2001 by singer-songwriter Amanda Cole. Cole left the group in the middle of 2003. That September, the group reappeared for a small European tour with Jones, temporarily in place of Heron, who had just given birth, and Rona Bennett as a new member. In 2004, Ellis Bennett and Heron released the group's fifth album, If You Don't Include the The Gift of Christmas, so I flower. don't. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Listen, the the gift of Christmas has snowy nights, which is a favorite of mine. Like I, I am an Amanda Cole stan. Well, just temporarily while she was in the group. Like I really enjoyed that whole situation. And I also have to say that the European tour with Maxine and and Terry and Rona might be my favorite EV3 configuration because. That rendition of Sad But True is like, I have it on MP3. It's it's in my iPhone. Yes. <laughs> it's in heavy rotation over here. But uh, the next several years were marked by numerous lineup changes, false starts, occasional performances, and legal battles over contractual obligations and the group's name. In Vogue today is Cindy Heron, Rhonda Bennett, and Terry Ellis. In 2018, In Vogue released the group's Sixth album, Electric Cafe, featuring the top 10 Billboard hit, Rocket. Top 10 adult R&B, but go off. Uh, right? <laughs> it's a, t- a top 10 is a top 10. Okay? In, the worst of Don, in the worst of Don Robinson, we don't do top 10s. We do number ones over here. Wow. Uh, exactly. You got to keep oh. it going. <laughs> so the question is, why did we, we decide to create a podcast? Uh, well, a podcast captures people's attention. It creates a personalized experience, and in our case, it gives us an outlet to celebrate one of our favorite musical acts. We were always discussing in vogue amongst ourselves, in private and in various online groups, so our producer Matthew thought, why not create a podcast and bring together a group of fans to discuss and celebrate this iconic group and share those discussions with the masses? If we enjoy discussing in Vogue, there's definitely an audience who enjoy listening to us. 
And Involved has worked with some of the greatest creative geniuses in their fields. Makeup artist Troy Jensen, choreographer Frank Gatson, fashion stylist Danny Flynn, and director photographer Matthew Rolston, just to name a few. We hope to interview some of them to discuss their craft and working with Invogue. Plus, if BT and the Grammys aren't going to give Invogue their long overdue flowers, then we'll happily step in and recognize the group's greatness in our own way. That's right. Absolutely. We hope that our podcast will for sure educate you. There's going to be a lot to discuss when you have a history and a resume as long as Invogue's. With the number of lineup changes and legal drama, things can get confusing and it can be hard to keep track of everything. No shade. (laughs) Plus, there's some misinformation floating around that we hope to kind of clear up. So, Yes. I recently got into a little Twitter uh, uh, exchange of words with someone who was just going on and just about like, I don't know about you guys, but like because i know the history and the lineups and all of that when people just start kind of saying certain things like they get the order wrong or you know i'm like i'm like excuse me no 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 rona joined in 2003 <laughs> right right i'm like we're going to talk about it let's get it to, let's get let's get it together Sometimes I'll literally go and like park in their Instagram comments and wait for somebody because it's always <laughs> inevitable. It doesn't matter what they post. Always. Somebody's like, well, where's Don and Maxine? I'm like, well, <laughs> how have you not known right. that road has been? Anyway, <laughs> are, it's like, are you even really a fan if you don't even know where they are? Like, come on. We right. all know right. what's, what's going right. on. <laughs> I, I think I think most people, though, are like very casual, like, you know, just casual fans. Most people don't really do the leg work to like research and find out, which is, you know, it is what it is. That's a good sort of like segue though, into like your earliest memories. So like, when were you introduced to En Vogue? Um, what was, what is your first memory of En Vogue and, and how did it make you feel? Uh, my, so my, I was telling you guys earlier before we started recording that my dad is a, a musician. He plays jazz. Um, and he's a church musician, obviously, of, of course, in that regard. Um, but I would just, he had the home studio when I was younger and I would just kind of going through his, his like briefcase of cassette tapes. And I just happened to come across an Invo cassette tape and it was Funky Divas. And I just kind of, all I saw was these four ebony queens. And I was like, who are these ladies? And so I just put it in. I started listening to it. Um, and then I think that same day, VH1 Soul Videos played No, You're Never Gonna Get It. And I was like, oh my God, that's the same girls. So it was like my first uh, time like seeing them like performing, the fashion, the music, their personalities. And I just became a fan from that day forward. And they they are the reason why I'm so obsessed with girl groups in general. It, it all started with In Vogue. So I, I told you guys how like my first recollection like of getting the remix to scene to sing cassette but I've, I've been trying to figure out like when like how did i first get to know who in vogue was and then for the life of me like i can't remember like what was the introduction like i just always remember in vogue being around i guess that really just speaks to their impact you know during that time like in vogue was truly 
you know, a household name. And I was talking to someone recently about like, there are people in the last couple of years who have number one records that I, if my life depended on it, like I would not be able to identify those songs. <laughs> like there's someone named Olivia Rodrig- Rodriguez or Rodrigo or something who has like numerous weeks at number one. I'm like, who the hell is this child? What are her songs? And why have I, why have they just never been around you know um but in vogue was just always around like i i have vivid memories of like seeing the my loving video and being in the barbershop and hearing hold on like i have very vivid memories of them um so i don't know when i the first moment though but they have just always been a part of you know the fabric of my being as far as like you know entertainment and pop culture goes I vividly remember the first time I saw them because I, I mean, I was probably four, but I was always like a BET kid. So I loved watching, you know, video stolen, all that stuff. So I remember after seven, I remember the good girls. I remember Troop. I remember like that might've been like the late eighties. I vividly remember when Hold On debuted on BET. Um, And from then on, I was just a fan. Like I just loved in Vogue. I remember all of the world premieres from Born to Sing, whether it was Lies or You Don't Have to Worry. And then there was um there was that video request show that BT had, and that's how I saw Don't Go. Like Don't Go. Like people already requested Don't Go. And just from then on, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and just from then on with Funky Divas, I remember they just kind of blew up. They became more so mainstream at first. They were probably more so just, you know, like played on BET, which I didn't watch MTV in the 90s, really, until maybe like the late 90s. So that was fine. But it was Monkey D, but they were just huge. And I've just never stopped loving them through all of the ups and downs, through all of the lineup changes, when they were hot, when they weren't hot. I've just always been a fan. I just really loved the image and message and positivity that they put forward. So, you know, that's what it is for me. The Funky Divas era was truly an era, like, it was. <laughs> that was when you put. That was when you pushed an album years. for years, right? Like that was when you literally like you rang that sucker out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there was nothing left. Four, five, six singles. You know, like that was such a great yes. sort of like, like time in music. At we all. Like I remember "Free Your Mind" at the um, MTV Movie Award. I remember that performance. I remember the Grammys. Like those are just what a what a time to be alive. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it's interesting. Like, I I also don't really remember when, when I was introduced to In Vogue. I just sort of always remember them being around. And so I think the comment that you made, JP, about them always sort of being woven into the fabric of, like, me as a little gay kid <laughs> is, like, really just always been there. But I do remember the first time, like... I saw them and it made an impact. Like I, I remember watching, I guess it was in syndication at the time I was born in 88. So like I was, I was kind of a baby, I think in the early nineties. And so when they were used to run a different world in syndication, I used to sort of watch that. That was one of my favorite episodes was their episode. And that's when I knew them before then I knew the songs, but that was when I saw them differently for some reason. And that's when I was like, Oh, like, 
they're funny and they can act and like it's it, it was like they're like a total package and that sort of shifted things and that's when I like think I went into like overdrive like I started standing really really hard so <laughs> the only thing I hated about that like a different world is one of my favorite shows of all time the only thing I hated about a different world was the fact that okay they're like these nerdy geeky church girls but when they had their big like you know, the ending where they reveal the performance. I didn't want it. I wanted them to be in vogue. <laughs> like I wanted them to be fierce <laughs> and fabulous, but they were still like kind of geeky. And I was just like, Ugh. like, that's not what I'm trying to see right now. But, but yeah, that <laughs> they were Mr. Gang's, uh, his nieces or something, his church going nieces. Yeah. 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 I'm Faith, Hope, Charity. <laughs> and I'm Henrietta. <laughs> Rock of Ages clap for me. Ooh, let me hide myself in thee. Ooh, let the water and the blood from thy river side which flowed. Be a sin, the perfect cure. Cleanse me of its guilt and power. Why are you still a fan all these years later? What is it about In Vogue that's made you a long time fan? I Like I said before, I'm obsessed with girl groups, but I feel like nobody really, really encompasses everything a girl group should consist of except In Vogue. Like, I feel like they, they continue to have a total package. And even even all these years later... They still come and you're like, dang, y'all still look good? Y'all still sound like that? Like, it, it's amazing to see. So I feel like they always have, even like the, this new era when they came out with, um, with Rocket and they were super fashionable. They, they started working with that stylist who passed away, sadly. Um, but just like Michael seeing, Mann. I'm like, yes, Michael Mann. And I would just kind of like, look at In Vogue, like, I'm like, they're still doing it to this day. So I feel like, you know, and, and they haven't, for, to me, they haven't like faltered as far as like quality is concerned, as far as like the presentation. I'm like, they still look like 1990 um, performance wise. So yeah, they, they haven't really disappointed me in, in, in that regard of like, oh, I'm done with them. You know what I mean? I've always been like, oh, I'm always going to be a fan because they continue to impress me. And I'm going to sip to that. <laughs> You're going to stick beside them. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, Invoke, like, Invoke, they, they have always managed to just stay above the fray. You know what I mean? Like, there have been a lot of girl groups. There are, there are a lot of groups who have, I think, tried to duplicate what they've done. But even at this point, they, you know, they, they know how to keep the brand alive and I, a lot of that is is due to cindy and terry i have to give them their props for that for sure but like i remember watching the rocket video and i was like oh wow they're back with the high fashion they're giving us looks and and you know that that was a really a really nice moment and i think that's that that's what it is though as far as what what makes me a fan after all these years is that um they continue to, to just put out the quality that that I can honestly say I like, you know, like if a lot of 
fans are able to, a lot of fans like whatever their favorites put out. I'm not that fan. <laughs> but I can honestly say, like, what Invoke has put out over, you know, what they've been offering up has been pretty, you know, consistent and pretty good. I think that's what keeps me as a fan. They understand kind of what, I think they have an understanding of what people want for them and they, they try and, and deliver that. I remember hearing Cindy, I think it was Cindy, talk about how, like, you don't want to go see, you don't want to pay your money um, for a show to see your fan, your favorite artists, and they don't look like themselves, you know? So, so those artists have a responsibility to, like, keep themselves up and, you know, to try to be as close to what people remember as possible. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I like a track record. They got a good, they got a track record. Like, I don't think anybody else can say that they like are still doing what they're doing well, like this long in the game. And so I think that's why I'm still a fan is because I, I feel like I, I don't have a reason not to be. And a lot of artists have disappointed me <laughs> as time has gone on. Um, who? Either because, uh, hi. Who, who, who is disappointing you, Josh? <laughs> This is an In Vogue <laughs> podcast. Um, um, but, you know, like, I think that they have continued to put out, like you said, quality product and they still um, they still care. And you can still sort of see that they're passionate about what they're doing. And that sort of always, I think, resonates and hits uh, hits me as authentic and genuine. And I, I, I don't have a reason not to be a fan still. Um, and, you know, some of the drama makes it a little interesting sometimes. <laughs> and so interesting both in like, you know, it's a lot of stuff to sort of sift through, but also like, you know, I like a little drama. I like, I like knowing what's going on. You never know on. when Don Robinson's going to give an interview. <laughs> Every other Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she probably going to be listening oh, to oh, this. Oh, she's listening. Oh, God. <laughs> um so um but hey, i think that that's girl, that's what girl. makes the <laughs> that's what makes it interesting right is it's it stayed interesting there's always something going on they've never sort of disappeared for too long so i stand matan one okay like i said i vividly remember when they started i can't think of many other artists where i was like so young and have like followed them because like you know all of the people that you know you might say like michael janet like they had been out you know decades years before and then their contemporaries who came out around that time i don't think they were as consistent so either I missed a lot of stuff or you know there might have been people i like that aren't still around or they declined um, so I think that's one of the reasons. And then too, like, I just think what they've brought, no one else has brought to the industry. Like they're, they're very unique in a way. And when they are brilliant, like there's really no one who can touch them. Now, as far as their output for the last 20 or so years, I can say that I haven't really cared for it. I didn't like Masterpiece Theater. Like to me, Soulflower wasn't really produced. Electric Cafe, you know, it's... Oh, wait, what did, what did just, you say wasn't produced? My heart. Soulflower. Like to me, a lot of the songs sounded like demos. I did like Losing My Mind. I think that was the one standout. I think 
Distant to me wasn't really a great song, but it sounded like it was produced. But some of the other songs, it just kind of sound like they were rough demos and they just released them. And I don't know if that's because like Amanda left and, you know, I don't know. But Shake it I, up, you know, Matan. Shake it up. <laughs> well, yeah, so, uh, like to make an analogy, like to me, like Funky D was this a great record. It's my favorite Involve record. The Eagles, they have one of these nights. That was their like their breakthrough, which I think was, uh, you know, like. Funky Divas was a breakthrough for Invogue. Mm-hmm. But then the Eagles went on and did Hotel California, which is like, you know, just the, their biggest record ever. I feel like Invogue hasn't made their Hotel California yet. I really want them to. I really want them to like sit down, come up with a great record, um, not some kind of genre based, like, oh, it's going to be this type of record. It's going to be dance music. It's going to be classical. It's going to like, no, just like sit down, look at themselves as kind of like, the the subject like use yourself as the subject all the experiences that you have in the industry and with each other like something honest and organic like no oh well we haven't done dance so let's do dance we haven't done polka so let's do polka we haven't done country stop with that give the fans what they want so i could just sleep peacefully now i i'm with you like i'm with you when you write so electric cafe for me was that album where i was like what is this but <laughs> but they have a couple there are a couple of songs on that album that i do really appreciate like i think rocket is okay rocket is decent but reach for me like is that cut like reach for me is a song that i think is top tier in vogue for sure it's su- sure. it sucks that it's, it doesn't have a video right like reach for me is a great song i wanted them to be stepping in it like i'm like this is like your favorite auntie, your favorite uncle's like yes. cook, cookout <laughs> reunion song where you kind of like a song. step in. I'm like, that's that song. Yeah. So it sucks it now, doesn't have. The rest of Electric Cafe, I honestly think it's horrible. <gasps> oh, JP, I really loved us so far, <laughs> but we're going to fight. I think Blue Skies <laughs> is a nice song, but like Matan says, it is giving me very demo. It's giving me very incomplete. Like, you need a real, like, producer, which shocks me because I know they work with you know, Denzel Foster and Thomas McElroy on a lot of the album, but a lot of it just does not sound very polished in terms of production for me. Um, and I was even surprised that Raphael Sadiq, like that song that he did was horrible. All right, and I don't want to go off on tangent too much, but for that to be, you wait 14 years, and then you get, like, if they release albums, you know, every year, and I could be like, okay, well, I didn't like this one, I like this one, okay, this one was good, you know, but we waited 14 years for that record, that it was 14 years, right, that's a long time. But um, I just look at it as, I appreciate the songs that I do like, the songs I like, I like a lot, so like, Reach For Me, I even like, I love my things. And now, The Breakdown. Like the little bonus, the unreleased record. I think that's cute. I can appreciate it. It's got a nice little bop to it. Like it's it's cute. 
I hope y- y'all gonna stand by these things uh, when y'all find out that these ladies are listening to this podcast. I hope that that's what y'all do. Cause, uh, I will. You know. I remember. Okay, this is when I was still on the Invoke Facebook group, but I remember when Deja Vu, they, you know, oh, what was it, premiered it in 2015. I was one of the people. It, this was like one of the few times we all came together as fans because, you know, there's always these factions, the Dom people, the Cindy and Terry people, but we all came together and we were like, we do not like this song. <laughs> we don't like it. And I was so proud of us. And that was 2015. And then 2018, we told you we didn't like it. And you still put it on the record. Yeah. But let's be clear. Like, so resources available in the 90s to on a major label is very different than resources available on an indie label with, you know, a tight budget. But you and have so these I little think, kids like, with of, SoundCloud, of... you know, actually producing stuff that sounds good. So, I mean, it's give and take. Like, there's people who can make whole records in their basement that, yeah. you know, sound produced. That, and that's the, that's the interesting thing about the music industry right now. I mean, back in the day, you really had to have the finances, the budget. You, you really needed, you know, the big team. But there are a lot of you know, unsigned artists that are doing quality work. Um, I just think you, I think, I think when you are a certain, when you are of a certain age and a certain era, you like what you like. And maybe they just are not as open to working with, you know, kind of newer talent. It's kind of what I feel. I feel, I feel like when it comes to Cindy and Terry and even, even Rona, I feel like they know who they are and they know what they, I feel like they know how they want to represent themselves. So I feel like they don't, they know that they don't want to compromise one, the sound of In Vogue, the legacy of In Vogue, and then just them being grown women who are wives, who are mothers, you know, who are of a certain age. It's kind of like, well, I'm not going to do this just to be relevant or get a billboard chart. I'm going to stay true to who I am. And, and I feel like they know that the people who rock with them will appreciate that, that, that regard. Well, I rock with them and I did not appreciate Electric Cafe. <laughs> Y'all, we are all the way off. Sorry. <laughs> you know, Matan said, I said what I said and it ain't changing over here. It ain't changing. Because there's a, there's a fan letter that I think is a lot of what we're talking. Uh, there's a submitted letter that I think gets at what we're talking about. But yeah. So, you know, we talked about In Vogue. We talked about a little bit about their discography and all of that. So, like, what do you attribute to In, in Vogue's longevity? Um, they've been around for over 30 years at this point. So do you think it's the music, the message of their songs, the dedication of the, the group members who want to, you know, continue to keep the name alive they're talented singers like what do you think is is the thing that keeps in vogue you know still booked and busy i think that i think that they always find new ways to be in our conversation just from like for example like them doing that campaign with orange is the new black when they re-record for oh, yeah, your mind yeah. i'm like oh that's so cool you know or like them being a part of the coming to America sequel where they did mm-hmm. What a King, What a King. Like, I feel like they, or even when they, they were featured on a Chance the Rapper's album, they always find ways to be a part of the conversation. And I think that is so awesome because a lot of times you're like, Oh, what happened to this person? What happened to this person? But I feel like every, every, every maybe like three or four years, I can pinpoint a time where In Vogue was around. 
in some kind of way, even with their even mm-hmm. with their with their Christmas movie on Lifetime. You know, I'm like, Invogue got a Christmas. I'm like, what? You know, so I feel like every couple of years I can pinpoint, oh, Invogue is doing something. <laughs> or even go back to their BET performance when they when they surprised us with Alicia Keys. All those oh, yeah. are like moments and in that time. That was a moment. It was a, it was, it's a moment. So I feel like the moment. It, they always find ways to create a moment for themselves, which I think that is why they have kind of stayed relevant this long. I agree with everything you said. And also, I would say that like the music, their discography, the hits that they had aren't just like regular hits where, you know, like someone mentioned earlier, where you have some people who have number ones and you're like, but where are they? Even though they've never had a number one on the Billboard Hot 100, like my loving is iconic, hold on is iconic, free your mind, what a man, don't let go. They're these huge kind of one of a kind songs that only they could have done. And so years later, you have these campaigns or you have these uh, movies or TV shows that want to invite them on to perform those songs because they just hold up so well. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons. And then, too, I think Cindy and Terry, they, they just don't age. They do not age at all. So, of course, you know, as good as someone can sound, um, people are visual and they want to see you looking good and they always look good. So I think that definitely helps. And, of course, Rona's beautiful. So just that beauty, the style, the look. They're, drinking, they're well. drinking the same elixir as Pharrell, Angela Bassett, and Gwen <laughs> Stefani. Now, now, wait a minute. Are, are Cindy and Terry the only ones not aging? Is that what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What are you trying to say, Okay. No, I'm not saying. I'm just saying they're the ones who've been in the group consistently, so they <laughs> no, are the messy. ones. I mean, yeah, okay. Maxine and Don look good too. They, they Maxine and Don do. They. I mean, I think they all have aged very well, and it's so interesting though because I think they're all closer to sixty at this yes. point. Yes. Right? 60 is not what it used to be. Like, I remember 60 growing up. I thought 60 was like you in the nursing home. Like, but 60 is looking right these days. I don't know if you guys know the actor Michael Jai White. He's from like the Tyler Perry movie, Why Did I Get Married? But he's he's 56. So just kind of, and like just seeing how good he looks, his body, all that, I'm like, wow, like people can really be like of a certain age and still look amazing. And in vogue, Past and current, they all look great. They do. They all have especially that Terry. <laughs> Listen, I wasn't gonna say it, but Terry is looking right. Terry is giving me fountain of youth, and I saw them. I saw them in June. It was either the end of July or beginning of August when they came to Williamsburg, and I was just like, wow, like they look good in person, like not just in a picture with a filter, like in person, like stunning. It was a I I forgot what what it was about, but somebody was commenting about in Vogue, and I I remember somebody made a comment to say, "Oh my God, they've had such great work done." And I was like, I mean, listen, I believe every woman in the industry has had a little something done. Now, whether or not you're getting a whole reconstructive situation, that's something else. But I mean, with face fillers and Botox, I think, you know, I, I'm not saying they've had that, but I mean, I think if, most if they people, have, if they have, it looks supernatural. But yeah, when I, when I see them, I'm kind of like, no, this is just that melanin. I was, I was, <laughs> I'm just going to believe it's just the melanin. They just age so gracefully. I mean, I think it's the, it's the, the dedication piece for me. Like, I think it says something when, I mean, how many groups do you know that like a, at least a, a good chunk of the group stayed and carried the name on? Like, that's, you know, that's really like, I mean, you look at like the Supremes, for instance, and see sort of the, 
various lineups of the Supremes over, you know, since the creation. And you see like Mary Wilson kind of kept it going as long as she could, but she was running solo from the, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) rest in peace to Mary Wilson. Um, But I think it says something that for at least a good chunk of time, you had two, three of the original lineup hanging on. And now we've got at least two of the original lineup and we've got Rona who's been around for, you know, 10 plus years. Uh, so it's just like they they clearly believe in, in Vogue as a brand. And I think they are, they know that's where the magic is. And so the, the egos haven't gotten really sort of like, involved to at least sort of like disrupt the current lineup like the current girls keeping the current in vogue going is like a testament to what i think a lot of other groups should be aspiring to because even through the drama they were like no we're going to keep this going this is this is the check we need the check and we're going to keep the we're going to keep the thing going so i love that they've they've held on for as long as they have then the next so the next question would be who is your favorite group member Past or current, my favorite group member is Cindy Heron. Cindy Heron to me is like my my uh, old school Beyonce. I just feel like I feel like she can just do anything. Like she can act, she can sing, she can dance. She's gorgeous. Even in this new era, when she comes around with with them inches, with all the bundles down to her butt, I'd be like <laughs> Cindy. Slay my life, but I, Cindy never disappoints me like at all. Like even when I watch like um, performances from their EV3 era, just like her cadence, her live vocals, her stage presence, she just gives me what I need. Like she always gives me what I need. So I love, I love all the ladies. I promise I do. But I, do, I do. If I have to choose a favorite, it would definitely be Cindy. Yeah, vocally, Cindy is very consistent. She is, I think she's probably the most consistent vocally in the group, past or present. Well, a true, a true soprano, a true soprano. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) my favorite is it it changes. It changes depending on, well, it hasn't changed recently, but growing up, it was always Dawn Robinson for me. Like she is just that girl. She has always had that it factor. I think, you know, to her own detriment, she just, you know, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother episode, but, um, a whole episode, <laughs> but for me growing up, Dawn Robinson, she just always had that it thing. She just, she has always stood out as just having a bit of an edge. Um, but in recent years though, Maxine has really become a true favorite of mine. Give It Up, Turn Them Loose has been like one of those songs for me that has, <laughs> you know, it has been a, um, you know, a, a beacon of hope. <laughs> it has been a song that has gotten me through some, some, some rough and, and sad times. Um, so Maxine is, is also really, really near and dear to me. I got to co-sign Cindy. Like Cindy is my consistent. I love, I love all the ladies to, to varying degrees, but Cindy is like, I don't know. She's just like total package to me. Um, and it was interesting because I was listening to the, they did a podcast with, um, I guess is, is it Toure? Yeah, they did a, a Toure podcast. Um, and I was really surprised to find out that she sometimes doesn't like her, vo- her own voice. And, um, 
that made me like her even more because I was like, I need you to know that we love that voice. Like it is different and unique and like I get why she would say that, but I just also think that that's kind of her, like the charming thing about her as a vocalist is sort of the unique sort of things that she does and can do with her voice. Um, but I will ride until the end for Rona Bennett. Like anytime people are trying to like shade her, I'm the first to jump in with a comment because I think it says a lot when you can stick around with, you know, uh, the constant question. She, how many times do we think she's gotten that question? I mean, she said on Wendy Williams and Wendy Williams asked her the same question. She, she'd been in the group a decade and Wendy was like, well, when did you get here, girl? <laughs> and it was just like, she's been here. And so like for that alone, it takes a lot of like strength to sort of know yourself enough to be able to join a group that's already been established and then keep going even when you know. And so for that alone, I give Rona all the all the credit. So it's between the two of them. I love Rona as a person, like as an individual. I think Rona is like top tier. She just she really exudes is. kindness. Like she's so sweet. I remember in LA, I've seen her at this restaurant called Veggie Grill. Um, it's a, it was across the street from my, from my school. And she was just writing her journal, eating her food. And she was, she wasn't bothering with nobody. And I was like, is that Rona Bennett? And I went and I interrupted. I was like, I am so sorry. I was like, I don't want to show. I love you so much. And she was just so sweet. Like, she just has an aura about her. So, yes, Rona deserves her flowers. Like, I want to just have a little bit of chai tea with her and just, like, sit down and, like... And she just got engaged. So, kudos to her. Yes. Congratulations, Rona. Congratulations. She's my favorite. And I don't know if you guys remember the new Mickey Mouse Club but I was such a huge fan of that show and she was my favorite on that show. And mind you, I have been in Vogue fan since 1990. So when she joined, I just couldn't believe it. Like I was super excited. Like I love Rona. If you, I don't, there's so many clips of her from the Mickey Mouse Club where she was just singing. She sang Tony Braxton and she did these Martha Wash songs and Eternal and every song she did, she was just so brilliant as a kid. And so I have followed her career. And so when she joined in Vogue to me, I loved it. Like Cindy was probably my initial favorite. I was always a Cindy and Terry person. And maybe that's just because like Born to Sing was so important to me. It was so formative for me. And so those, they were always my favorites. And, uh, but Rona is just a little bit different. I don't know, just maybe because she had been solo before and I followed her since she was probably, you know, like a teenager and I was a little kid and I like, she was like a, like all of them on the Mickey Mouse club. They were like, kind of like in my head, like older cousins or older siblings or something. I just love them. And I got to go to their 30th anniversary in Orlando and I saw Rona and I've seen her just multiple times at concerts and stuff. And she always she remembers my name and she'll go up to me or I'll go up to her. Like she's just very, just a lovely, beautiful person. And on top of that, her vocals, like I don't think anyone um, is really touching Rona vocally. I know she doesn't really get a chance to shine within the group, but her solo stuff and her solo performances are just incredible. So she's my favorite. I still try to find clips of her on Jamie Foxx show. That episode yeah. where her and Jamie were like like dueling vocally, I still watch those clips because Rona Rona yeah. g- give you what you need. Plain white rice, plain white rice. See how it boils, see how it boils. Thirty minutes and it will be done. Yes. Oh, we're watching 
Sanford and Son. Plain white rice. Plain white rice. Under red beans over on some raw fish. This is a taste that you just can't miss. No plan. It, it's wild to me, like, the girl from Jamie Foxx show is in, in Vogue. That, that is kind of wild to me. Because, like, I remember her very, like, when Jamie Foxx show came on, like, she was, like, I, she came on during the later seasons. And, you know, it was a new face. And, and you know, I'm, I'm happy that she's still around, you know? Did you ever watch Homeboys in Outer Space? Yeah, she was the little face. She was the <laughs> yes. face on the screen. Yes. Yeah, Miss Miss Rona has you know has found her way. I think vocally she is incredible. Like she is a great vocalist. I, I would love to hear more from her as a solo artist to see kind of what she, you know. Yeah, I feel like Rona, like her her tone, her voice, like her whole style. When it comes to what Invoke has done, even before she joined, I feel like she fits that sound very well. And you know, because sometimes you can like try people try to add. I mean, when they have like, when they have, you know, different lineup changes. But I feel like when I listen to Rona, I'm like, she just fits what, even if, even if like back in the day they were a fivesome, I feel like she would still fit with them. So I think I love that about her the most. But See, my thing, I don't really feel like she fits per se vocally. Like when I think about Amanda Cole, for example, to me vocally, Amanda fit the Invoke sound more than Rona. To me, but I think Rona's a great singer. I just think when I think about the sound of In Vogue and their harmonies, I think Amanda kind of had more of what I would consider like an In Vogue sound. Okay. Mm. I can respect that. But I still think Rona is like an incredible singer. I disagree with you, (laughs) but I can respect your opinion. I was going to say, I I disagree too. But, you know. (laughs) I'm used to being out there on the limb by myself. It's okay. Well, you you, uh, you might be out there. (laughs) Um, But all due respect to Rona, though. I think she is an amazing singer. I I think she's great, though. You know. Well, it looks like we got some, uh, we have some letters from folks who have submitted so graciously, which is beautiful. Um, so yeah, let's check in with those fellow Invogue fans and see what they have to say. Um, if our listeners have a question, just as a reminder, if our listeners have a question, comment, or anecdote that they'd like to share with us, they can email it to us at invoquecraze at gmail.com, and we'll read it in an upcoming episode. So first up, we have an email from Louise from Raleigh, North Carolina. Hey, Louise, I'm from North Carolina. Yay, North Carolina. Um, <laughs> how do you, uh, Louise's question is, how do you respond to those who say, this is not my in vogue when referring to the lineup that we've had for the past 14 plus years of Cindy, Rona, and Terry? Well, so here's the thing. I, everybody, I feel like we're in an era now where nostalgia is really reigning supreme in the industry. In, in any in any medium, like people love nostalgia. So, and especially with the in, with in Vogue, like their era where they have like all the number one singles, all the videos, it is iconic and people still, um, reference it even to this day. But I feel like 
when it comes to Ronan Bender, even like Amanda Cole, I feel like when it comes to the line of changes, I feel like everybody has paid their dues. Even when you look at the numbers, Ronan Bennett has been a member of En Vogue longer than Dawn and Maxine have been. So I feel like she has paid her dues enough for people to say, okay, we like her. I mean, she's been on all the tours. She's done all, all the relevant stuff that's happened in the past 10 years. Their Lifetime movie, their two albums, like anything. So I feel like I under, if, if you, things happen. Things don't always stay the same. And unfortunately, things have happened to where Dawn and Maxine have moved on. And we can appreciate them while also appreciating what's still happening with En Vogue. And fortunately for me, maybe unfortunately for other people, Rona is a part of that equation. And she deserves deserves respect because she respects the brand enough to want to contribute to its legacy in this day and age too. So I, I just feel like if, if that's you and you're always talking about, oh, well, I want the original. It ain't here, baby. It's not here. <laughs> Get over it. This is what Invoke is right now. Now, I'm still, I'm a very optimistic person. I do see maybe in the future, I do see them like doing like a, a tour or like some kind of performance again with all five of them. Cause I feel like you can't just push Rona to the side with all the time and energy that she has spent to continue this brand. We can't just shun her. We can't just shun her. So I feel like EV5 is a possibility. We saw it at uh, the at uh, that uh, anniversary for for, for um, oh, Sylvia Rohn. Sylvia Rohn. We we saw that it was a possibility, but we did also see Don did not enjoy the fact that it was a five star. <laughs> Which I, I can't, I can't, you know, fault her for her opinion. But I'm like, ED5 is a possibility. We can make that happen. I kind of feel similar. I kind of feel similarly. So I'm going to jump in. Because like, so let's be real here, folks. Like, this is a livelihood, right? Like, these these ladies have bills. <laughs> Just like everybody Hello. else got bills. Okay. And so it is, if nostalgia paid bills, then like, they they, then we'd be having a different conversation here. But they have to tour. They have to continue to do work because this is their careers. If you've done something for 20, 30 years, what you going to do? Go work at the grocery store? Like, what is, like, I don't, this is, this is like these, when thinking about uh, Terry and, and Cindy in, in particular, this is what they've done for, you know, decades now. So, like, to say because it's not the four of you total, y'all shouldn't be doing it is, I think, disrespectful to the contributions they've they've made for for long, for long, long, long time. So, but you know, people gotta like I think get over it because I feel like the folks who are hollering the most about that are the folks who uh, care about the the hits but never listen to a deep cut, or they stop caring after Funky Divas, or you know, like I just feel like. That narrative is for a particular kind of fan. And so I think it's valid to want the old thing back. But like, if you ain't got the old thing back in your own life, then like, I just don't know why you expect In Vogue to get the old <laughs> thing back. So <laughs> that's a word anyway. right there. How about that? 
Well, I would just say those people, It to me, it's just kind of pointless to go back and forth. And there are people that will do that. I mean, you look at some of the older acts, like someone mentioned the Supremes and Mary Wilson, like on their YouTube comments, people are still keeping the feud alive from the 60s. The Supremes YouTube comments are in shambles always. <laughs> exactly. So it's like people are always going to have something to say. So if it's not your in vogue, that's perfectly fine with me. But at the same time, these promoters and you know, Eddie Murphy and the Billboard Music Awards and the Dick Clark New Year's Eve, like it's in vogue to them. So who has the power? I will say that I understand the sentiment, you know, like it was very, it was like my first time seeing in vogue was literally like a couple of months ago. And it was a very, it was a weird experience in a way. Like it was like, I'm happy to finally see in vogue, like in person for the first time. It was, but it was very bittersweet because, like, two of my favorite members were not there. So mentally, like in my head, I'm like, okay, this isn't the ideal situation, but, but you know, it's still in vogue, and you should still enjoy yourself. So that's what I would tell anyone who, you know, who feels like this is not their in vogue, or they miss, you know, the original four or whatever. I think you just have to enjoy it for what it is, and you know, hope that you know, the ladies all kind of think of the bigger picture. Because to me, the bigger picture is, you know, the fans and the bigger picture is um, the legacy of the group as a whole. Um, So you just kind of have to hope that one day the ladies see the bigger picture, you know, and, and they can all come together and work together to kind of, um, you know, to, to, to make that happen. Because I understand, you know, people who are like, you know, Rona's been here for X number of years. I totally get it. I totally get the people who feel like, you know, Rona hasn't contributed to any, you know, of the the hits that they're touring from. So, you know, I, I get it. But I just say enjoy it for what it is and, and you know, support the ladies and, and what they do. Are they even supporting the ladies to be saying that? Like some people seem, and I'm a troll, so I know some people are just trolling and I'm not going to give them the time of day. So if that's not your in vogue, that's fine. But there are people that have been supporting them for what, I mean, it's almost 10 years since the last time the original lineup split up, like, let it go. <laughs> it's hard for people to let go of that nostalgia though. Like the, like, you know, nostalgia is, it means a lot to, to people and, and the different ways of their of their life, you know what I mean? Like, I was gonna say it's like the Aaliyah fans though, and I love Aaliyah, but like she has that great body of work. So if you enjoy that body of work from Invoke from the original four, and that's all you care about, it's there for you to enjoy. But when they're doing something <laughs> different, why would you come? Well, this is the, like what what is your point for it? Like, yeah. what do you want them to do? Yep. Well, I guess I, guess I know what you want them to do, but <laughs> you, can, you can binge watch YouTube videos. And you can put them on Apple Music. That content is there for you to enjoy. But for for those of exactly. us who are living in reality, we're adjusting to what's happening with the hopes that you know a new a new era will come to be. I will say that I did used to wonder what a Cindy and Terry in Vogue would look like. Just them two, because obviously you know their their foundation is like. It's, it's harmony, you know, and, and it, it has a gospel undertone. But I always would be like, you know, it, it, it you kind of get a little muddy when you 
um, lose two members and you have to get a new member because you have Harmony. The same way with Destiny's Child, they had to get Michelle and Farrah because it's like that's what the group was giving or even like with Danny Kane or any of these girls, you have to have like a full Harmony. But I was like, I wonder like what would a duo be you know, like what? How would the sound evolve? What would they do? What would they have? Have how would they have contributed that? But that's just my own personal, you know, uh, preference because it also leaves room for okay. Well, we have our duo thing, but there's still a chance for the other members to come back and we do this type of thing. Um, but that's just my own little like imagination. When you leave, when you leave your job, your boss don't be like. Oh, I sure do miss him. No, they go say, well, who's the next person? <laughs> Come on. Right. We need this job filled. We need this job filled. So, like, I get you, but, like, they need, they need, they need. Now, if you're going to say that, though, you have to look at, like, well, why did they leave their job in the first place? You know, like, what what were the conditions? What were the working conditions? That is to be determined, and we are not privy to that information. Okay, <laughs> okay, because I feel like it, I think anything is 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 you can work it out. It, in my personal opinion, but I feel like a lot of people not not saying this is what they're doing, and just in in life experience, I feel like some people are just not willing to compromise certain things because you're very you're very passionate about what you feel needs to be done. And so you, it's like, I'm not compromising this. And so it's kind of like, well, if that's the case, well, then we can't come to an agreement or a compromise and you have to kind of part ways. So right. I, but why you got to go on tour with your explanation anyway? <laughs> but let me, let me, let me, let me say this and we can move on. But let me say this though. Um, then there's, there's no way in hell I would let like somebody else that didn't contribute to what we're touring off of. I'd be damned if I let somebody else get a piece of that pie and I'm not getting mine. So I think, you know, you know, some of those mem- like Don and, and Maxine, in my opinion, like they're crazy as hell because as my voice on those records, I worked and toured and went to every tonight show performance, morning show performance, award show performance. And now y'all are touring off of that. I'd be damned if I let, you know, somebody else eat off that and I'm not, but you so know, we gonna, here- we gonna figure we're going to figure out how to, you know, sing Kumbaya and get this check because I'm not about to let it go there. I think they're crazy personally to just, you know, I would be like, girl, you want to let Rona sing at the 30 year anniversary, whatever. Cut my check. I'm showing up. So that's <laughs> the thing, right, is like think about the Spice Girls, right? So like the Spice Girls, five of them. But Victoria was like, I ain't doing that no more. Victoria didn't sign away her rights to that name. So right. every time somebody buys a ticket to a Spice Girls concert, Victoria is getting a check. Every time you buy a t-shirt, she's still getting her check. And so that's the thing that's like fascinating to me is that people oftentimes want to say like, well, this is not my in vogue. And I'm like, well, low key, it's not Dawn and Maxine's anymore either because they signed away their rights. Like you don't give away the thing. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, girl, I'm showing up. That's I think, I think honestly with, especially knowing that Maxine and Dawn have both had financial issues. I'm like, girl, I'm showing up like y'all, like I may not like the situation, but I'm showing up to get this money. Period. And I think I think it's just crazy to me, 
you know, and that's a whole nother episode. But I think it's just, it's crazy to me because I'm showing up. I'm not going to let Rona get all my coin. We're going to split this up another way. <laughs> I know we have another question to get to, but I will say, like, I feel like the, the glitz and glamour of the industry, I feel like it's kind of like rose colored glasses to some people where they feel like because we're celebrities, we don't have to deal with certain things. But I feel like it's still a job. It's still a business. And no matter what job you're at, you're going to have to adjust to how they do things. Whatever job, whatever job you go to, they have a syllabus. They have guidelines. They have rules. They have standards and expectations. So it's kind of like if you're going to be a part of this business, this is what we expect of you. And it's not always kumbaya and peachy king. You're not all, but it's like, but it's like, but I'm here and I'm going to show up. And hopefully as I put in the work, I can, I can get the, the, the power and the influence to kind of change how things operate. But until then, I'm still going to do my job, you know? Exactly. And I can understand, like, I understand completely why why Cindy and Terry would say Rona's been here and we're not going to let her go for the, like, I mean, I get it. Like, I I 100% understand. And I think sometimes you have to wade the rough waters. Like, you know, you, you have to, you know, you may not agree with it, but you just got to grow with it and hope to get to the other side and, and make some change. And, you know, unfortunately, some of the some of the ladies just you know we're not willing to do that, but we prayerfully we're gonna hope that um <laughs> you know a change comes and and everyone can kind of see eye to eye. We're gonna touch and agree. <laughs> we're gonna touch and agree via uh this call. I hope y'all's prayers are heavy. The next question is from Sean L. His question is, there's talk of new music coming from In Vogue. I think Cindy mentioned it. Who would you like them to record with? Raphael Sadiq or Dim Joints again? And what were your favorite so- <laughs> what were your favorite songs from Electric Cafe? Yes, Matan. What were your favorite songs from Electric Cafe? We're yeah, dying Mateen, to hear. Tell us. Well, I <laughs> I will say that I did enjoy Rocket. I enjoyed Rocket. <laughs> And Reach for Me was, I mean, to me, it wasn't like, I, I, it had a nice groove to it. I, I wasn't, you know, on the floor with it, you know, but I, I do think Rocket was how I would want In Vogue to sound. It was a good album cut to me. And who I would like them to work with, I think I would like them to have a little bit more of an edgy sound because I think, you know, when you think of all of their big songs, they were very bold. There was a lot of attitude and, um... I kind of think R&B doesn't really capture it that well. To me, they're at their best when they're doing funk, like My Lovin', or I would even say Hold On is, will be classified as R&B, but it's more so like kind of funk, hip-hop, for your mind, of course. Don't Let Go To Me is rock, for your mind is rock. So I would like them to work with like Mike Elizondo, who I was one of the songs he did that you might know was Heathens by uh, 21 Pilots. I think they should work with Rick Knowles. He's worked with Lana Del Rey. He did my favorite Madonna song, Power of Goodbye. He did a lot of stuff in the 80s that you might know. What was his name? And uh, Rick Knowles. Okay. Have you ever heard The Power of Goodbye by Madonna? Yeah. Yes. I love. He did that one. I love that song. He did, I think, um, Heaven is a Place on Earth by Belinda Carlisle, like way back in the day. Uh, and there's so many. I think... I think his name is Kevin Parker from Tame Impala. I think he would be good. Like there's, I just think what they could do with them, it would be something different and unique. Like we're kind of used to instead of like the more so generic type of R and B that they've been doing. So I'm a huge fan of Chloe and Halle. 
Um, and I know that Chloe Bailey, she produces a lot of their music. Um, and they kind of clap. So I, so like their early mixtapes and albums, I feel like I would love to see what a collaboration would look like with them, like with her writing something for them or whatever. Cause I, cause you know, Chloe and Holly are vocalists, you know, but they also have a sound that fits into what's happening today. So I would love for like, like the song, their song that got nominated for a Grammy, uh, wonder what he thinks of me. I forgot what it's called. I can't think of it right now. But I'm like, I can't. I would love to hear like Cindy and Ted, like how they would sound on a on, those, oh, on a, on a, a song like that. You know what I mean? So I would love for yeah. them to work with them. I wouldn't mind them working with them joints again. Um, but just with something that is a little more fine tuned and polished. Like, don't be given in vogue these songs that somebody else passed up. Don't do right. it. Don't and and they may be good, you know, or they may be on the level. But I'm kind of like this song. You're 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 submitting it to us because this other artist that you wanted to sing it didn't want it. There's a reason why they said no. So don't give that to my involved. Don't <laughs> give them. Don't give them our scribes. They're not leftover girls. They are a full course meal with a private chef baby. So let's put some respect <laughs> on their names. Um, yes, yes. I also would love for them to work with whoever is responsible for Bruno Mars's sound. I feel like his sound is 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 timeless, and it's also yes. it's also pulling from the nostalgia of early eighties and nineties R and B and funk. So I would love for them to do to kind of tap into that sound. Like, imagine if you heard Invoke singing like a 24-karat magic type of song. Like, that would be crazy. But that's just my take. I, w- I would love to, to see that happening. I would... Um, okay, so... Well, wait. What were your favorite songs from Electric Cafe, champ? My Oh, my... So, I love... I love Rocket. Although it could have been edited. I love Rocket. I love Reach for Me. And 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 I love Electric Cafe. I love that song. Like yes, I, even, I, I do I like that like song. I even a have lot. a whole video video <laughs> concept. I'm like, y'all should have you know, but that's a different story. Because you know Don Richard um, from Danny D. Kane, she loves like, doing like these like fashion movies or these like these like themed like movies, which are videos pretty much. So I'm like that they could have had like a whole fashion video moment for that song. Although that needs to be cut short too, because this is Electric Cafe is a long song. Yeah, Electric Cafe. <laughs> but I love that song. Um, but I, like I like that, that song, song too. too. Yeah, but it's 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 just those three. Do you guys remember Jim of the Holograms? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a Jim and the Holograms song. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I don't mean that in a good way. Like, to me, it was <laughs> cartoony. <laughs> no! I gotta go! He was like, wait a minute, don't get carried away. I don't mean that <laughs> as a positive. I love that song. I, lo- I mean, I that is that song, Reach For Me and Rocket, are really like, and what's that? Ocean Blue Ocean's Skies Deep. or whatever. Yeah, I like Ocean's that. Deep? Those are the only four songs I like. Even Ocean's Deep to me sounds like it. It's missing something. Like the production isn't quite there. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, those are the four songs that I really do enjoy. Who would you want them to work with? I I have always wanted them to work with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I think they, I think they are two of like my favorite songwriters and producers. They understand melody. 
which I think is missing in a lot of what's, you know, the contemporary music that's released today. I would want them to work with, I wouldn't mind them working with like Babyface and, and his team that he currently has that wrote um, Long As I Live for Tony Braxton. I forget the guy's name, but he's a part of Babyface's, he's a part of Babyface's camp right now. I forget his name, um, but I think he's really dope. Um, cause long as I live is the, like for, for Tony to be so far into her career to release long as I live right now. And that is the, I love that, that is song. The I love like, that, that song. song is it. Um, and, um, D Mayo, um, this D Mile and the stereotypes, they work with Bruno Mars a lot and, uh, and Bruno Mars pre- um, produces a lot of his own records. Um, so, you know, a little bit of that mixed in there, I think would be really cool for them. Yeah, I think, you know, and I actually really love Raphael Sadiq, which is as a producer, which is why I did not it, it disappoints me that I hated I'm good so much because I, <laughs> I think Raphael Sadiq is extremely talented. Um so I wouldn't mind them trying to work with Raphael Sadiq again because I remember what he produced for TLC on their 3D album. He did a couple of songs that I really thought were really good. Hell, Lucy Pearl. Of, of course, of course. So yeah, I think that's. I I do not want them to work with. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's just that's just me. But with the top of the list for me is Jimmy and Terry. But also, I really want them to do more up tempos. I think when artists get to a certain age, they really go more towards like the ballads and mid tempos, which is cool. But to me, in Vogue has always been known for more of the up-tempo stuff, more stuff with, you know, a little bit more oomph to it as opposed to the generic type of R&B stuff, jams, you know? So I would love... So I, I say all of this because the the, num- the names I'm about to say are going to be, like, all over the board. And so I say this, like, because I actually don't really care about an Invoke album. I kind of just want them to explore things a little bit and, like do what everybody else is doing right now. I think uh, Chant mentioned Don, uh, Don Richard, and I think something like I love that Don does is she just sort of like drops random songs and it's kind of like she's playing around with sound to figure out what sticks. And then when it sticks, she does the album, right? And so I kind of love the idea of them doing a lot of different types of sounds. So I I do love... I love what they did with them joints because I also really love the Danny Kane shelved album that eventually came back because they did. I think them joints did a lot of stuff for that album, like for all DK in a days three. for DK three. They did like all in a day's work and they did like, so like, I like, yeah. I like the energy. This, the songs that them joints did have more energy than a lot of the other songs on electric cafe do. Um, right. so I like that. And it signals to me that maybe like, they 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 should want to explore what it feels like to 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 try something new. And so I wrote down them joints. I also would love for them to do something perhaps with like Babyface. I think I think JP mentioned Babyface. I think like the the Babyface Tony stuff tells you like hit 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 single hits <laughs> like at least on the adult contemporary sort of R&B side of the of the world. Because I I heard Long As I Live everywhere. Whenever I turn on the radio, yep. 
Even like Roller Coaster, like they just they did a lot of really lovely like songs together. Um, I also wrote down like this might be a little controversial, but I think Kanye West is actually a really amazing R and B producer. Yes, yes. I, he yes. doesn't get a lot of love for that, and he doesn't really produce R and B vocals anymore. But like what he did with Janet Jackson for "I Want You," like what he did for uh, like Keisha Cole, like I just think that there's like a timelessness to how he produces R and B music that I love, that I think could be really interesting. Um, I wrote down Kay Trinata because I feel like they should have a dance moment, a real dance yes. moment. Um, I think that'd be Kate really Sonata dope. Is, is really hot right now. And then I also wrote down Jasmine Sullivan because why the hell not? I like what Jasmine did for Mary J. Blige with, um, I can't remember the name of that song. Uh, what was that song called? She, she did, she wrote and produced Mary, I think on this last album that Mary did. I can't remember what it was called, but I thought it was a really like good song. Um, and then I also just made this note because like, we see this happen with white artists all the time and we see this happen with hip hop artists and, but like, I wrote down Rick Rubin because yes. I feel like, um, these like hip hop artists and white artists, older white artists get to benefit from a rebrand as this sort of like hipstery kind of like, Thing. So I think about like even Tanya Tucker, who was just on Drag Race, she got, she teamed up with Brandy Carlisle and they did this sort of like reimagined country sound that now she's like a Grammy award when she won her first Grammy off of that. We do this, we see the same thing with Johnny Cash and all these other kinds. Of, and usually the people behind that are these established white rock artists. So I think like Rick Rubin's interesting. He also has a hip hop background, obviously, but I, I just want them to be teamed up with people that can keep the essence of in vogue, but then not be afraid to explore new sounds that might be relevant to new audiences too. So I think that could be really interesting. Yeah. I think, you know, I, you know, being that we are not in the industry is like, well, how do these collaborations come together? You know, like how do these people, you know, meet? Because even is, I don't think at this point in time, it's not always about being on a major label, you know, record label, because, you know, I see a lot of independent artists who are working with some really prominent and cool producers as well. So I don't know what that process looks like for In Vogue and to, you know, try different things. But I just think back to what I heard Don Robinson say one time was that, you know, based on their their management and <laughs> she made a comment about, well, you know, we need to. I'm trying to figure out a nice way to say it. But basically, she she felt like they needed some Jewish representation because those are the people that make the moves in the industry. And those are the people who have the connections. And those are the people who have who are able to make things happen. And I don't know whether or not that is if that brings any truth to if that. I don't know if there's any truth to it, but. I know to get some of these producers and some of these songwriters to work with, I know it takes a certain level of connection. So I hope that, you know, the ladies are able to figure that part out because I definitely think they need to expand, you know, who they're working with. I think they need to expand. But, too, like, they have worked with other people and, 
you know, it's not so much about who you're working with. I think it's you being an artist. And I think it was Paula Abdul who made me kind of realize that when she talked about one album she did, I'm not a Paula Abdul fan. I just remember to be watching, um, I remember watching an interview and she was talking about an album she did where she was working with different producers. And she basically was like, my job as the artist is to curate the album. And I think that's something that in Vogue does not do. The members don't do. They have, they let, you know, their producers come and say, okay, let's try electronic dance music. And then it just seems like whatever comes, they'll record it. I think they really need to be a little bit more deliberate about the the lyrics, the messages of the songs, you know, because you can work with whoever is hot, but that's not going to guarantee you a hit. Like, I, I do love what they did with Babyface, with Whatever and You Are the Man, and I liked, I love Too Gone Too Long. Those are great songs. Um, but at the same time, I think in Vogue, when I think of In Vogue at their best, they hit very hard. It's bold, it's funky. Even a song that, like Don't Let Go that's not up-tempo is still very funky, that bass line, the drums. So they're going to have to be kind of selective, I think, and they maybe should start like writing down lyrical ideas and what they actually want out of the songs and not just think because it's, you know, whoever is going to be good. Because, you know, I'm not good, but... It just takes a little bit more than who you're working with. I think they have to show up as artists at some point. I think the key word is boldness. We want to hear some bold sounds. Yeah, we want to hear them sing. Yes, sing. I'll give you one more email from Herman. He says, hi, guys. I'm really excited about this new podcast, and hopefully it will become a regular source on the group. What do you think we can expect from them in the future? Do you think we will see another album? If so, what kind? I thought Soul Flower and Electric Cafe were both good, but were not in the same ballpark as their previous ones. I also feel their voices aren't utilized well anymore. I often marvel at the acapella bits they post on Instagram every now and then and wonder why they don't harmonize like that on their recent albums. Thoughts? Now, I, I can I can agree with that, but I think that has more to do with the end, the sound as the moment. Like I was like there's a group Fifth Harmony, which doesn't exist anymore, but they have five group members and they were singing in two part harmony. How do you have five girls <laughs> and you're singing in two part <laughs> harmony? Like, you know, and your group is called Fifth Harmony. You haven't gotten to five, you haven't even gotten to three. <laughs> You haven't even gotten to three-part harmony yet. So I I just, but I think it's a part of the industry as a whole. It's not about vocals. It's it's just kind of about, you know, it's 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 lazy in my opinion. Um, I do want, I would love for them to kind of go back to a sound where you clearly hear three and four-part harmonies. You clearly hear that this is a group, not just okay, one person singing lead. One person's clearly on the hook. Another person singing the second verse. Rona's on the bridge. Like, I would love to hear, like, a, like, this is a group. And I think the only group that really does that today is this a group called the Shandellas. Have y'all heard of them? Yeah. I've heard of them. So the Shandellas has, like, they are, like, in Claude Kelly, who's a writer and producer, like, he's working with them. There's one of the work with Claude Kelly. Yes, now let's throw Clark Kelly in, in 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 that that group. But the Shandellas, they sound like a freaking group. You hear the harmonies. And even on some songs, there's no one on lead. They're just all harmonizing. Oh, that, or that, one, in that un- one unison. interlude on their EP. Turn the stereo up. Turn the stereo Yeah, like I'm like, that that's in vogue. Are you need point of view? 
like they they and what's the um when you're lonely is my cut right now that it's like 80s quiet storm like oh that is top notch so i i, I think that um I think vocally they need to be a little bit more bold. And listen, at this point, in Vogue is past their prime of you know being on top of the charts or whatever. I I hope that going forward they just work on just putting out great music and letting the chips fall where they may. Because you know we're not. I don't think anyone is expecting in Vogue to be number one on the Hot 100 right now, you know. But I think what we can hope for is that they, you know, is that the music, the the caliber is there, and they're pushing themselves to be as great as they are because they're still incredible vocalists. Like hearing them live a couple of months ago, like they all sound great. Like Terry, I know she's had some vocal issues in the past, but she still sounds good. Cindy sounds good. Rona sounds good. So I would love for them to kind of push into like that Shandella's type of, you know, like, let's just make dope music. Because they're a trio and you have Rona in the mix, I do one. well, my answer is a two-parter, but I do want them to lean into making like records that when we when you go to a show, like you get excited about with this trio. You know what I mean? Because it's like most of the songs that we get excited about, it's 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 old school in Vogue, but I don't feel like they have those songs where it's kind of like, oh, new in Vogue. This song right. is this song is is my jam. Um, so uh, you know, and, and Rocket is a great song. Reach for Me is a great song, but it's like I don't feel like we go up for those. So I feel like they do need like maybe like two to two to four songs that are like that really are staples with this new lineup of In Vogue where Rona is included as well. To where right. it's, it's not like you're giving her leads that we're used to hearing Maxine and Dawn on. Exactly. You know, or e- even like what, when they when they do Don't Let Go Live. You know, yes, they sound good, but you know, we're just used to Dawn uh, killing that, 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 those verses and then Maxine coming in on the bridge. So it, right. it's just, it's just a different thing. So I, I would prefer that Rona not be, you know, like, oh, well, let's give you this part because you're a member. Like, let's actually find a new body of work that capture encapsulates who we are right now. And I feel like they're on their way, but they haven't quite got there yet. Secondly, the second part is, I honestly, as far as to maintain relevance, I honestly want them to lean into more acting. Honestly. Because, you know, Cindy has uh, her theater background. Rona obviously has, you know, um, experience with acting with Mickey Mouse Club, Jamie Foxx Show, other things. So I kind of want them to, like, lean into more acting just because it's like that, that, um, that makes you relevant to a new audience. Um, and it also opens the door for, for more resources, more networking to do more things. So I do want them to kind of lean into that as well. I mean, I wish I was taking notes because you guys hit on so many points that I totally agree with. The acting is the thing I remember them. Well, I need to answer the question, but just to piggyback off the acting, like the muses in Hercules are based on in Vogue. They're doing a live action. I don't know what stage production it's in, but they need to get on that because I saw Jennifer Hudson suggesting people. I was like, absolutely not. Like they need to have whoever <laughs> hop on that. And, um, and then there were so many great points you guys made. Okay, so what do... What do you think we can expect? 
well, what I want is a live album. I don't think they've done that like a live acoustic album. And to the point to where the songs don't sound the same. One, if you don't have a full band, they're not, I don't think that even if you have the original group, I don't like that there's no electric guitar player. I know there's budget constraints, but Free Your Mind is not going to sound right. Don't Let Go is not going to sound right if you don't have a lead guitarist. So to me, like I like artists who can kind of play with arrangements and do something totally different. Um, maybe people wouldn't like that, but I, I know personally I would. And I hope like if they were to do like any type of acoustic live album, which they kind of teased around the time Deja Vu came out in 2015, I would love to hear that. Um, just like flip all of your old songs on their head. Um, do you think we'll see another album? I do think so. But like someone else said, I will prefer if like until they actually have a budget for a full album individual songs, individual drops that are just very good that, you know, you can introduce into your show. And I think someone mentioned like, who, JP, you were talking about like the, the group, the way, like the, the group feel. I kind of miss them having solos. Every song now, yes. it's three people on a yes. track. Like, can we have a solo please? Right, right, right. And so that's one thing that I do miss, like one person on lead and the other people killing it on the background. I do like the idea of like whole tracks where people are, you know, harmonizing. Um, that's the thing I didn't like about Ocean's Deep was that it was in unison and wasn't harmonized. Like, it's in vogue. Like, there has to be harmony. Like, come on. And I think that was one last point that I I forget what it is now. But you guys are basically saying that everything that I wanted to say. I just think that, um, you know, they need to be... It's the vocals. Something to me... It, it's not coming through with the vocals. And in Vogue did an interview, um, I think around maybe... It had to have been 2015... And I called in because Ron had a song that Cindy and Terry were on. It was a Ron, it was from her solo record that she was working on at the time, but it was like a ballad. And to me, like now, if it sounds similar to what Louis Capaldi did with Someone You Loved. So there are people that are singing out and they're like these new artists coming out of nowhere because the vocals have so much passion in them and they're actually like singing. It's not just that talk sing, lilting, you know, stuff that a lot of people are doing. It seems like all of the R&B artists these days are just kind of like talking through songs there's monotone the hooks are there's no major chords no core progressions there's it's one long song so i know i'm rambling but my point is like please use your voices you still have big voices we want to hear the big voices we want to hear a big hook we want to hear some big notes please give that to us yes and i have to say though like i have been i thought i was the only one who felt like i'm tired of them like when groups feel the need, like we have to have everyone on one song singing a lead. Like, no, what I've always loved about In Vogue is that like on some songs, it may just be Cindy. It may just be Dawn. It may just be Terry. It may just be Maxine. It's about the be- it's about what's going to work for the song itself, not just to have everyone being heard in a solo part. That is one of the things I miss like a, I missed that from In Vogue. That's one of the reasons why I actually enjoy the Soulflower album because they allow Rona to shine. Yeah, I love so I love Soulflower. I think Soulflower is a dope album. Tini and Terry were like, "Hey, girl, you do your thing." Like, and it and it was a sound that fit Rona's voice and it complimented her. So I so I was now, like, okay, yeah, it, it now, makes sense. So I agree. It's my understanding that a lot of those songs Rona had before she came to Vogue. Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, Josh, you, I think I think you're the voice of reason in this collective. <laughs> he 
is so here. very interested to hear kind of what your thoughts are. Take us um, home, Josh. Take us home. <laughs> so I think like we have been, and sure enough, I am try. I think I am being like reasonable. <laughs> um, <laughs> is I think that there's what we just talked about, which is like the dreams and aspirations of what we wish, and then there's like what's feasible, and right. I think there's. Uh, unfortunately the industry is ageist and sexist and all those kinds of things and so dreaming big is is wonderful but unfortunately they're like up against so many odds that an industry that won't change that values sort of flash in the pan you know moments i don't think is going to invest in them the way they should be invested in as a legendary group and so i think given the resources i think they have assuming that i don't even know if they're still with e1 i don't know what the deal is with the with a label but um i hope they do they explore and I think they will explore and drop little, you know, one-off singles, maybe even just like a, a concentrated EP. Um, I think eventually there'll be another album, but I think they, they waited for, what, 14 years before Electric Cafe came back, uh, came out. So like, I don't, <laughs> don't think do that again. I, people shouldn't <laughs> hold their breath per se, but I think that like, they know now that touring alone, I don't think cuts it. Like, I think like that's part of the challenge, right? Is like that they've only been consistently touring, which means they've only been pushing the same songs at us for the past however many years. And so when you don't have new material to push out, I think it's kind of tough to get people to imagine you in a new way. And so I think like that's the, that's the bread and butter is to just start to play with sounds and to, and to get risky and to try new things and then see what sticks. Um, so, and I agree. I think that people are afraid to go acapella now like i just, like on on a record right like people people don't cut the music and just show that they can sing and that's what everybody loves about them is that they have distinct clear and oftentimes it was just their voice and i feel like they can yes. still do that and we see that on the instagram videos we see that backstage we see that whatever so do that on the record again. Like, I think it's a matter of going and like auditing the stuff that w- was working the first go round and figuring out how to like take those elements and put them into something new. And that you can you can have a dance track and you can still you know go acapella with all the like crazy ridiculous harmonies and all that kind of stuff. So I think that there's like a there's a there's a possibility. I think that they're always just sort of up against the odds of like budget constraints and an industry that's like not very welcoming to women of a certain age, let alone black women of a certain age. And then also on top of that, I feel like they have to do things that hopefully adult radio, adult R and B radio will like, because that's at least who's going to, that's who played rocket. So like, that's, that's the lowest hanging fruit. So like, it's like, you can't risk and go, but so far in one direction without compromising the other audience, because somebody who, is going to love a a rock record from in vogue that's out the out of their you know uh usual is also going to like not want to hear that on R&B radio. So I, it's it's like a, all of the things <laughs> I think there are, are really tough. There are a lot of moving a lot of moving parts. Yeah. But know? I think that they're going to do a project. They they know now. I think that people people responded well I think to Electric Cafe. So I feel like like regardless of if it sold well or how it performed or whatever, I think having rocket go and be a reasonable hit on the R and B radio chart says that like they should be putting out new music. And I think they will. And reach for me needed a video. It would have, it would have, it would have done so much better if it had a video, a visual attached to it would have been so much better. 
Not that lyric video with the cartoon faces. Right. It I was think cute. Reach, it was cute. <laughs> it was cute. It was, no, it I was think, cute. It was, it was cute, a cute I'm, lyric video. It, mm. it, was, it, was, it was a cute lyric, but I'm saying it needed like an actual visual because I it feel like that's how people, that how people respond. Even with Rocket, Rocket is a good song, but once they did that video, the entire social campaign up until that video, it was like, look at the dresses. Look at the hair. Right. Look at the makeup. Look at the. It was. It was like out of this world. So I feel like Reach for Me needed a visual to kind of push it more. But really quickly, one thing before JP, I know you want to hang. Like, but Rocket being Rocket is such a good example because they took risks, not sound wise, I don't think, but they took risks with fashion and with yes. visual that paid off. And I just want them to do the same thing that they did visually for the Rocket sort of moment with music yeah i think reach reach for me is honestly though my favorite one from i think it was a better song than rocket and i was so sad that it didn't get the same you know love that rocket got but um this is this has been a really interesting conversation though like i hope that going forward we get to we get to hear more from the ladies um just doing what they do best, which is those vocals. You know, I think I think out of everything that we've all we've all said, I think we all just want to hear him sing. And I wonder And I hope that you know, I don't think we need to hear I've I've been saying this for a while, but I feel like studio albums are kind of becoming a thing of the past. Like, you know, like the official, oh, this is my album and this is my 12 songs. Like, give us, you know, three or four songs on an EP and, you know, make them cute. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, like give it like, you know, and being that, you know, I think the good thing about the industry right now is that everything is done online. Everything is, it's, it seems from what I've heard, like I've never recorded a song, but from what I hear, everything is a bit easier to record and, you know, mix and master vocals. So, you know, if you want to give us a little live piece, give us the live piece, give us the rock piece, give us the dance piece, you know, like you can give us a little bit of everything. We just want to, I think we all just really want to hear the greatness of those singers. So I guess that brings us to a close for episode one. We Yay! we made it. We folks. did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just as a reminder, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can probably find us. Um, so subscribe um, and rate and review so that you can get more in vogue on your podcast platforms. Um, so for more Invogue related content, please make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Invogue Craze. If you have comments or questions, or you just want to let us know how we're doing, um, email us at InvogueCraze at gmail.com. Um, thanks to the co-hosts, uh, for joining. And, um, everybody, if y'all would just sort of like, let's let them know where they can find us individually as well on the internets. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Everybody Loves JP. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is It's Champ Johnson. 
Well, if YouTube is social media, that's the only thing I'm on. I'm on YouTube and my name on YouTube is your little dog too. That is U-R-L-I-L-D-A-W-G-2. One of the original YouTube trolls from probably like 2010, (laughs) maybe even longer than that. And just to clarify the name, because I've heard people talk about the name. It's a reference to the Wizard of Oz with the witch said. It's not any kind of sexual innuendo or anything like that. It's what the witch said. Okay, that's all. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh Jinks, J-O-S-H-J-E-N-K-S, or at JoshuaHenryJenkins.com. Um, and so until next time, friends, this has been part of us in En Vogue fan cast, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Yes. Bye. Hand clap to us. This episode of Part of Us at Invoke Fancast was researched, written, produced, and edited by Matthew at Culture Inject Productions. The intro and outro music was produced by Wolves and Vincent Tone. We're more than just a podcast. We're a fan community. You can keep up to date on Invoke and chat with other fans by visiting Invoke Craze on Facebook. You can also follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Invoke Craze and Twitter at Part of Us Fancast. Part of Us and Invoke Fancast is not endorsed by Invoke, E1 Music, or Invoke Records and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Invoke and its names, images, and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of the respective copyright holders. That was fun. I think this is a great group. Like, I think we all have different, you know, personalities and opinions. I definitely think Josh is the voice of reason. Just, you know, the calm and a chaotic storm of opinions. <laughs> Don has blocked me on Instagram. I didn't even do nothing to this lady. I Like, she is my favorite. And I just, I was just going to Instagram to try to look for, like, she blocked me. I am appalled. Bless her heart. I don't, I mean, I don't know. The lady has blocked me, but this is not her first time blocking me. She has blocked me on Twitter and she has blocked me on MySpace. And I'm like, ma'am, you're my favorite one. Like, I don't, I don't even understand what I've said that has upset you.